spidey senses tingling. The only host in podcasting where the price of tech support is your own shame. He's slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg Podcast. This is episode 179. Welcome to the show. Paperkeg.com. Three friends. They read comics all the time. They don't give a crap about their family and their kids. And then they do a podcast about the comics that they read. And then they'll do a book club at the end of the show. One book we all read, Daredevil, Guardian Devil. And at the end of the show... Letters at paperkeg.com. We will read your letters live on the era. Now, welcome to the show. We're hot off the heels of our biggest show ever last week. The numbers are in. They're incredible, too. Yeah. yeah. I can't see the numbers, but I can definitely feel the heat radiating off the wire. Yeah. As someone texted me that the numbers were good. The number heat. heat. Wire heat. Wire heat, heat. The, the screen, the AMOLED screen heats up, I'm assuming. <laughs> the blacks are more blacker, mm-hmm. things like this. Uh, <laughs> now let's introduce the hosts. Jonesy Loves Beer is on this panel of hosts. He is known the world over. He's a writer, flat out. He is near death this episode. He's He's sipping herbal teas. His voice uh, is that of Barry White this week. Welcome to the show. You know, baby. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. That was my uh, Barry White impression, so feel free to turn off the podcast. I, mean, it's, I don't know what that was. That was just <laughs> like, like that a bass like line, a random bass line. I had to give myself a bass intro. Hello, everybody. Uh, I am a writer, hot off the heels of my last uh, submission, a Longmire fanfic. Uh, of the erotic nature that was my last published work mm. so you know maybe someday i'll get some real work out there well i mean longmire fanfic is definitely real and more power to you about that creation i'm just waiting for amazon to knock on my door for a soft deal you get it soft <laughs> deal mm-hmm. flapping it's around it's inappropriate disclaimer flapping around deal uh final host he has been known to get at least 30 likes on his Facebook posts about his kids, about life in general. There's some kind of Facebook algorithm that Dale has cracked. He's a VP of merch. Father of two, welcome back to the show, Dale. You know, it just feels great to be back. It's, uh, you know, when we got to um, extend the show a couple more days, it's like, you know, I'm just that further away from you guys and doing this thing and and the thing i really live for because frankly it's it's tough sometimes you know yeah it's yeah, tough. yeah i mean t- having two kids i can't even imagine what your your weeks are like your weekdays your weekends i don't know how you do it 
if I can be frank about this. Yeah, it's just, you know, you you just cloud up. Your head clouds up. You uh, start listening to, uh, you know, Third Eye Blind, waxing <laughs> nostalgic for the, uh, the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to school with somebody whose AOL uh, username was Jeff3IB. Get out oh, of here. Man. And that was his username for years after that. Just stuck with him. Why? What, did he happen to be in the band Third Eye Blind? For no, but he was a big, reason? huge fan. Huge did he type out the fan. word I or just use the capital letter? No, it was spelled out, lowercase. Oh. While, close so, yeah, to, uh, while close to being on that topic, I used to play uh, Battlefield 1942 in an MSN group, and his name was Everclear Boy. <laughs> so <laughs> these, you know, when... Guys take the the uh, the handles of bands, '90s bands. I mean, it's there's deep, there's deepness I, running. I don't think I ever had a Pearl Jam username because that's the band I would have had. I still yeah, seek well, out, obviously, the greatest band of all time. But yeah, what was your first ever AOL username or AIM uh, named? Can you can you look back on those days? Uh, it would have probably been uh, like Chip Nine One Nine. I think. Did they have AIM when you were young and up and coming? Was was the internet uh, a thing that was abundant and you could attain obtain? Oh, uh, you know, I yeah, it's, I, I was on the ground floor running because I was mature enough to know that the internet was th- going to be a thing soon, and you could go to the uh, department store and buy these compact computers, and they'd sell you on it with these big monitors. I mean, it was a, it was a whole thing back then. You'd install AIM. And then you would uh, spend your nights looking up the uh, the naked photos of Jenna McCarthy in the Santa hat. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Plugging your Car- phone cord wire into your television set. Random Carmen Electra spread from that one time she was <laughs> yeah. in it. I mean, not that that was something anyone did. I read on Wikipedia that that was a thing that happened in right. those days, obviously. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's what... That's what I would do under the moniker Chip Nine One Nine. I'd hit the AOL browser, and uh, in between my time in the Save by the Bell trivia chat room, I would be looking at nudes and uh, hitting websites for thirty-second sound clips of you know the Prodigy. And oh songs boy, like that. what a! Uh, I love or that MIDI CD. versions of your favorite songs. That was one of my remember early... the MIDI guys. Yeah. <laughs> Jonesy, look out! Dropping some technical about the knowledge right here, now. Jonesy. <laughs> Mitty, mighty? Was it mighty or what Mitty? was the CD that they had with the like crab on the cover? That was oh, the yeah. one that I had that I played constantly on my was, my CD player. That was the fat of the land. That oh, was it, boy. man. <sighs> Fire starter. We might have to play out to that music oh, see if oh, we man. get the intern to download those tracks. But uh, the book club this week. This is a comic podcast, not a aim retro, not a username podcast. podcast. Guardian Devil, Kevin Smith, Joe Quesada, Marvel Knights. You know, the the book that kicked off a revolution in comic books. Whew. And we will get into said revolution at the bottom of the hour. But we need to get into the comic talk right now. About what we read this week. What's hot? What's spicy? Jonesy loves beer, please. When I think of hot and spicy, I think of you. Thank you. You know, I, you know, in my delicate state, I need as many compliments as I can get. Uh, I love you, Jonesy. Thank you, Dale. I just I needed this. You know, it's been a couple, couple weeks. Uh, you know, uh, I was going to go talk about 
uh, Daredevil because that's basically what I do all the time. But I wanted to step on Dale's toes, if I may. Oh, man. And talk about a book called Spider-Verse, number one. Have you guys heard of this? I have heard uh, of it, yeah. it, it's, I guess it's setting up the next phase of uh, Spider-Man stories. You know, it's the multi-dimensional Spider-Man spinning tales. And uh, what grabbed me in is a story by none other than Dale's uh, official government best friend, Scotty Young. Uh, he did a spider clan story, I guess, that uh, comes from the Mangaverse. And I apologize if you're a manga fan. I never read the Marvel Mangaverse. But uh, as I understand, it was very popular. I, so the story that grabbed me, Dale. I own a bunch of them. I think I might have read the first uh, Legend of the Spider Clan stories. But I have a, 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 a quite a few of the Mangaverse titles. That was kind of like when I was getting back into comics uh a second time and I just started buying everything in the store and then I had to I just spent too much money and I didn't read anything. What was the hot Jenny McCarthy spread around that time when you were getting back into comics? It would have been hmm back at that time. Jeez. Nah, she was <laughs> it had to she be might have been her triumphant days, return. Right? That was, you know, that would have been like maybe she came back again. Singled out, which is that was that the singled out era singled out. with uh, uh, was wasn't Nerdist? Out. Didn't Nerdist do singled out? I was that something he hosted? Claim to fame. Yeah, that was him. Sorry, I'm derailing. We should get back to it. <laughs> it's all right. So um, the issue is this version of Peter Parker in the Mangaverse is like a trained martial artist above being a Spider-Man. And he kind of has to follow his spiritual Uncle Ben and fight this like evil samurai version of Venom. It's a really neat, reminds me a lot of um, the cool stuff going on with Iron Fist. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, a Spider-Man martial arts story, can't go wrong. Uh, got me hook, line, and sinker. So I'll be coming back just as long as I get to see more of that character. That's cool. And that's a um, like a tie-in of the main Spider-Verse, I guess? Yeah, it has a couple other backup stories mm-hmm. that I guess these characters have been used before, like a... Uh, it's almost like a kids' comics version of Spider Man, and Spider Ham is in there. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's, uh, I guess it, you could call it a readable version of DC's Multiversity. Like you can actually read and enjoy <laughs> this title. Oh my word! I actually um, just read for the show, but I'm not going to talk about. I read the first two. I guess that you call them the Spider Verse proper and amazing. And uh, yeah, I I've, I liked. I haven't read any of the tie-ins yet, but I liked what I read in that. The first issue more than the second, but that's not my roundtable review, by the way. I was just adding that. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. Uh, let's move into a brand new title. You know, it's not Daredevil. It's not Dakin. It's not Swamp Thing. They're tried and true topics on Paper Keg. The Goon. They're going to change it up. <laughs> goon. I don't feel like we talk about the goon <laughs> constantly. <laughs> it's it's goon twenty four seven. Ivan Brandon, he's got this new title called Drifter that I picked up. Drifter number one. I don't even know if that was this week or last week. It's all blur. It's all comic books together. Odyssey of a tornado in my face of comic books at any given time. Mm-hmm. So I tried out Drifter. It's got that kind of hip 
cover design that I'm into right now. Not not so much Hickmania cover design where it's like, you know, his deal. But it's more of the Zero cover design. Mm-hmm. So it follows this Han Solo-ish character, maybe a Dash Rendar, if you will, more than Han Solo. And oh man, getting in there! He uh, with that Shadows of the Empire reference. He Shadows of the Empire reference. I gotcha. It's like a dying Sylvester Stallone, circa Cobra. So Dash Rendar, as we'll call him, he crash lands in this area. His he his ship crashed, so he needed to to escape, and he's being healed by the people on this you know desert ish town, and he his gun doesn't work, um, so he's just kind of sitting there healing up, and he's he he's he's met up by this almost town priest who says that he prayed for his his uh, delivery to this area, and. Nick Klein does the pencils, and if you had been reading Remendo's Captain America run, he did a few issues of the Iron Nail towards the latter stages for in turn uh, to replace Carlos Pacheco. And the art is really great. I love it's it's very different than the Captain America run. I don't know how to describe it or what he did differently, but the art is really phenomenal. And it's it ends in a Twilight Zone kind of cliffhanger ending where he finally arrives at, at his ship that crashed. And I, I really like it. I like Ivan Brandon's stuff. He did a Wolverine issue that I kind of liked uh, maybe last year or two years ago. And I recommend it. I like, you know, Anytime you can have a hero character that reminds you of a old Star Wars action figure that you have in a bin somewhere in your I basement. I desperately trying it. to remember the name of his ship. It was like a Millennium Falcon clone. Was it called the Outrider mm-hmm. or the? Was it called the Outrider? Out Outrider, Outgunner, or something. And he had like a robot. That. I mean, he had a droid. We had a Star, Star Wars fans. He had a droid companion. Yeah, yeah. what it was called I, that? That character, I felt like, man, they really wanted that to be the next Han Solo. He was. In didn't my he heart. turn? Didn't he turn into a Jedi in the books, or didn't he have some kind of Force thing? Man, I hope not happening because. You know we're oversaturated with Jedi at this point in the fandom. Do you remember the? Did, yeah. Do you remember the Definitely. PlayStation game Masters of Teros Kasi? Oh, that God, like, like terrible. Star Wars game where we had just <laughs> remember that ancient Jedi martial art nobody knew about, and we just discovered here's a game about it. Oh boy, there were some cool moves though. Like if you were Luke and you figured out the moves, you could chuck your lightsaber around it with like a boomerang and f people up with it. But otherwise, yeah, kind of corny. Uh, so Drifter number one, check it out. That uh, that first person Shadows of the Empire shooter for Game uh, GameCube or Nintendo sixty four. I think uh, I played the crap out of that level where you could be the snow speeder, and you had to tie the rope around the walker's legs. Mm-hmm. And hop, oh, yeah. oh, give it to me, baby. That was that I think, was great. I think that was N sixty four because I remember not having the option to play it. I never had the N sixty four. I was always a Sega. I had a PS1, a 2, and then I switched to Xbox, I think, soon after. So I never had the option to play that one. It's a shame. It was a good one. Dale underscore A. You are inarguably the most popular host on this show. You'll Hands find down. out my ranking Stop. later in the show. Stop later it. Later in the program. Uh, you, your gray hair speaks for itself. I say it many times I would kill a human being for that hair. But what did uh, you this This particular week? human being, I think we established in, in the canon. <laughs> 
<laughs> you might not even survive this episode, <laughs> let alone me murdering you. This for is his my hair. new voice. I'm trying to get the ladies with this one. <laughs> might sound like something from uh, the Amazing Stories franchise of movies <laughs> or the Twilight Zone movies. Um, I read, I went ahead and read an issue one of something as well. Try to keep up with the new stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. On Mr. Justin Jordan, off scene at comic book conventions, but it's not really Justin Jordan. Uh, <laughs> it's just some guy with a beard. So this week I read, uh, I rented a book. <laughs> I, uh, I went ahead <laughs> and I uh, read a book by Justin Jordan and Ariella Cristantina is the artist, and it's a boom book, Deep State, issue one. And Deep State is a very, I don't want to say you've read the story before, but it's its commonplace, the story that, that is being told. There is a one man who represents possibly a government agency who keeps conspiracy theories just that theories uh you know the the jfk assassination the landing on the moon in 1969 he basically sees to it that any hard hard evidence pointing to one thing or another is doesn't exist um, because it could incriminate the u.s government or it could just be bad in general and this and this uh, issue focuses on him basically recruiting a member of the FBI for his department. And he reveals that the 1969 moon, uh, moon landing was, in fact, not the first time that we landed on the moon. Because why would they televise that and be so confident if they weren't sure uh, it was going to be a success? So mm. he kind of reveals that. The first people to make it to the moon were the Russians in 1963, but the capsule never made it back, and they sent a uh, reconnaissance mission to kind of figure out what happened, and only one of those crew members made it back just barely, and then what happens in the book is, in the, the first couple pages, a a probe or a shuttle is has made its re-entry back onto Earth and lands in you know in the middle of some field somewhere in the United States and the 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 department shows up this guy and his new protege along with you know the sheriff of the town who went to go check it out and it turns out to be it what it looks like the very first shuttle of the Russians that made it but whoever or whatever was in it is not any longer inside of the vessel. And mm-hmm. at the the last couple pages, spoilers, is uh, somebody who walks up onto the porch of a, you know an unsuspecting neighbor dressed in a cosmonaut suit, CCP all over it, but clearly behind the shields, the face shields, is not any longer human. And Ooh. he is about to... Uh, make con- first contact with the with the human race and uh it's going to be it's exciting like i said you've you've heard the government agency covering up kind of thing before it's very men in blackish they even make a joke that it's you know they're the men in black that the sheriff calls them the men in black and uh 
but it it was a very entertaining story and the art was really uh, subjective but it was really like deep deep tones of red and purple with these thick lines it was a really interesting art style but i liked the colors especially in it it was is very interesting i recommend somebody check it out if they if they feel so i, I actually fancy. read this too i thought the uh particularly the last five pages the coloring made everything menacing you know that late, yeah that, like it reminded me of like a late summer night somebody knocks on your porch and you open it up and it's this killer cosmonaut although to your point dale i, I don't know if i like the humor in this issue not saying it, you know, it was you know deadpan or it just felt out of place. That whole, I it, like the whole. I have this kicky new sidekick who's gonna freshen up the program and mm-hmm. you know a young perspective to what we do as this you know whatever government agency they're referring to. It didn't feel like it went together with this almost letter forty four ish sci-fi backstory of the first moon landing i don't know it, it didn't track for me yeah i think i know what you mean because the the character development was really not there and so when they kind of did focus on the interaction between the two characters it was almost forced like that's you don't get to spend any time getting to know these characters she's in nine panels of the book she's she's in the program and then you kind of have you kind of want to focus more on the fact that this thing exists to begin with but now she's she's kind of like right in saddle with her partner and they're like their old cop buddies or something and it, and the humor felt forced because it was like that's all there was was one lines of little jokiness and then you know against the backdrop of them trying to inspect this probe with the sheriff and stuff it was just real janky Hmm. Jackie, good word. Who, who's the publisher of the book? It's a Boom Studios. Ah, sounded like a dark horse, John. Mm-hmm. Just the way you described it. Uh, two sentences or less. Another book you've read, but you can only describe it in two sentences or less. Jonesy loves beer. Please, Batman, issue number thirty-six. Oh. The maestro is bringing his grand. Bat opus to a close. Will you love him or hate him for it? Save it for the fireside. Fireside. Batman 66, the lost episode. A lot of Batman happening right now. Oh my God, right in my face. <laughs> The unproduced episode starring Two-Face turned into a comic book. Very interesting idea for a comic book, and I enjoyed it, seeing it. Lightning produced in comic book form and sentence. Now you can speak. (laughs) Wait, what what is the show about? Uh, Lightning question. Lightning. Or fireside. Yeah. See you later. (laughs) What is it that we do here? Archer and Armstrong, the 1%. Archer and Armstrong, colon, the 1% miniseries. The uh, America's rich kids are ousting their old guard 
demon-worshipping parents to take their rich kid club in a new direction. Think the humor of Archer and Armstrong but not featuring any of the Archer and Armstrong characters. Jonesy's sickly. <laughs> the the old king from Braveheart. <laughs> Tuberculosis in bed. Well, the problem with Scotland is that it's filled with Scots. <laughs> Daredevil, Marvel Knights, Guardian Devil. Written by Kevin Smith and drawn by living legend Joe Quesada. What was the year? Didn't remember. Was this '97, mid '90s, mid to late '90s? Can we get the intern? I can, on that? T- I can tell you. I can tell you right now. Matt, Matt Double H, are you Please. out there? Matt Double H. Don't forget the second H. I will never forget it again. I'll tell you that. Nine, uh, 1998. I felt mm. it. I felt it really. Just put on thick. the. Uh, mm-hmm. Might as well just put on the third eye blind. You know what I mean. <laughs> Jeff through IB, if you're listening, please write in. <laughs> tell us what you were doing while you're reading this book. You could tell Jonesy, us how's it going to be. Jonesy, <laughs> huh? please, if you could walk us through this hugely important run of Daredevil that brought us to where we are today in comic books. Cool. That was laced with sarcasm. All right. This is this is a convoluted book, so I'm going to give you a very quick synopsis. Matt Murdock is having a crisis of face. That fit, you know what? Don't Cody finger at me when I'm trying to talk. Matt Murdock, let's take it, take it again. Matt Murdock is having a crisis <laughs> of face. Talking to his <laughs> invisible producer sitting sitting in front of him that nobody else can see. Let's take it from the top once more. Can I get a line reading? Anyhow. <laughs> Matt Murdock, Crisis of Faith. Uh, you know, somebody is recreating uh, the scenario of Born Again and attacking those loved ones around him, and around him and somehow shaking his life to the core through this love of his life. Karen Page has left him. Gone. Can't be with him anymore. And uh, he suddenly becomes the protector, the guardian devil, if you will, of a infant child that is the savior or the antichrist with one of the biggest twists that reminds me of old man Logan. Guardian devil did pave the way for some exceptional Quesada Daredevil art the eight issues that you must read if you're a Daredevil fan the modern born again and the stage setting arc for Matt's love life hereafter Guardian Devil I miss my music thank you for playing it Guardian Devil. This, I think, at the time. Excuse, excuse me, sir. I'm just 
some documents. <laughs> Hold on. I'm stuck. Got to oil. Got to add some oil. Oh, there it goes again. Let it, let it be known that episode once. <laughs> Jeez. One seventy nine was the first paper shredder appearance on the show. It's Jan. There we go. Okay, I think we got it now. Yeah, it was, it was the, the trade, so it's twenty dollar trade. So I, you know, it took a while. Oh boy! Like well, I was hoping to like have wow. Dale go first to like wait to have my opinion on it. You know, maybe get the good opinion out of the way, but apparently that's not going to happen. Okay, all right. You uh, focus on me. Um, to be completely honest, I had the paper shredder idea about halfway through my reading of the book. But much like, you know, Daredevil's faith, Matt Murdock's faith, there is some redemption in the end. Um, I don't know how how to collect my thoughts right now. It's the let let me just say the first the last issue is probably the reason I did I'm doing an almost 180 on the arc as a whole. Um, there's just. There's just a lot happening, and Jonesy said in the in the uh, the top of the the top of the review, it's just there's a lot going on, and not a whole lot of it makes a whole lot of sense to me. It's it's almost because it's just so forced, it's so in your face, like this is this is the change in the plot, and you're gonna have to accept it. You're gonna deal with it, whether you like it or not, because Kevin Smith says so. Um, I can't. I, I I'm trying to go issue by issue. I got the trade. Right what about what about that. Jonesy loves beer? Uh, Daredevil, Matt Murdock, historian. Uh, let's talk about maybe the first time you read it compared to now. Sure. I, how does how do they rack up? You know, I think I read this definitely. Well, uh, let's let me just say thank you, Jonesy, for passing the passing that to me. Karen Page writes Matt Murdock a letter, a breakup letter. She writes him a breakup letter that he has to use his fingers to read. Probably takes him, probably takes him forty-five minutes to feel the ink strokes on a handwritten letter. Yeah, it an, wasn't written in Braille. It was no, a. It was handwritten. Normal. It was written in a font that. I had to squint to read as a man with vision. I could barely read that letter in as it stood in the comic book. That's how she leaves that's how she leaves Matt Murdock hanging. Anyway, Jones, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Jones. Hey, hey, uh okay. All right. Kind of feel like I've been tossed in a room with meat tied to my limbs and your two <laughs> rabid dogs. <laughs> but uh okay, all right. Well, let's see it, you know. Slim, as the timeline goes, uh, Slim introduces me to Planetary sometime around 2002. Uh, I start getting ravenous for uh, trades that I can get for books that I'm discovering. So I get this uh, trade uh, forward by uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, all of the issues I read in a binge. 
And, um, you know, I, I didn't know much about Kevin Smith at that time, so I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that later that he, it would all be poop and, and D jokes. So, you know, this is all fresh to me. And my God, the Quesada art, I mean, the poses that he puts Daredevil in uh, is probably, you know, are iconic to me as somebody who was discovering Daredevil for the first time. Uh, you know, every pose where he was throwing his uh, mm, cane. Man, I love every, that. I love everyone. Every time he was blocking, a, you know, a, a punch with that straight arrow arm, like any time that Daredevil did anything in this book, it was a gorgeous vision to behold. Um, the story is a challenge. It, it is a challenge. You know, uh, Kevin Smith, you know, made this movie Dogma, which is very religious in nature. And I guess it should come as no surprise that he would bring that to the Guardian Devil. And it, it, that part is a slog. I mean, I think the only thing I really enjoyed, though, was the Mysterio reveal. Not to jump that far down into the story, but the climax of the book is, you know, Matt thinks that he is being influenced by this um, super secret society called the Sheol, who are religious in nature and are directing the world in order to stop the Antichrist. And he accepts this as being truth. Being a Marvel superhero for the last 40 years, he just thinks that, yeah, there of course there was a secret society that's, you know, based on God. Um, and what the, you know, the climax of the book is that it's really Mysterio who paid a broke kingpin a million bucks just to get Daredevil's life story because, and this is, you know, this is really crushing Matt Murdock's ego here, but Mysterio knew that he could never beat Spider-Man, so he was just going to go destroy this B-list superhero's life. Now, if you boil it down, that's a pretty cool concept for a story. But the execution here not, is not, lacking. Not, not. Now I'm mad at Jonesy because I, I thought the uh, the Mysterio ter- twist was kind of janky, but I might like it a little more now because the way you dis- the way you describe well, it's it, I didn't because I think. I didn't do it with 400 pages of dialogue in a comic book visual medium. That's there was the like problem. eight thousand words in that final issue with Mysterio. It was a novel with yeah. pictures every other few and, inches. And the first seven issues had the same thing, but you know what it felt like? It felt like I was in high school or college, and I needed to fill a 10-page paper, so I'm just using all these adjectives, and I'm turning a sentence into a triple-length sentence just to fill space. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, Kevin Smith seemed like he just had the same voice for everybody, and that voice was that of somebody who's very well-spoken. and Super well-spoken, yeah. I mean, I felt like... Like Natasha th- Romanoff, like, I, Matthew... I'm here to say that perhaps, like, I even t- talk, I took some screenshots of some sentences, because... The, yeah, the, I mean, I thought, I thought it was very overwritten. I thought it was too, too deep. Too, there's just too much there. I felt like, with an editor, maybe there was an editor, I don't know, I don't know how you get this kind of megastar Kevin Smith coming in, how do you edit him writing a comic book like this? Maybe yeah, you don't, yeah, I have no idea. You probably, you probably, like, kind of hands off and... Let right, like, what thing. am I supposed to tell Kevin Smith? This guy's, you know, in the biz. He writes movies. What is he? He's gonna listen to me. But the, 
way the first the first page the first issue starts out with Karen Page, who we remember from Daredevil: Born Again as a junkie, like um, Matt Murdock's girlfriend turned junkie, turned woman of the night, turned everything under the sun that you don't want to be involved in, and now. If you had never read anything in between that, they are back together. You know, I think at the end of Born Again, I think they get together. I honestly cannot even remember, but I think they she do. turns. Yeah. So that relationship is now strong. But at the beginning of this story, she breaks up with him in a letter. And the letter is just written in a way that just annoyed me right off the bat. And I, 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 I didn't like this this book that much. Like and not because of Kevin Smith. We make Kevin Smith jokes all the time, yada, yada, yada. But that's not why I didn't like this book. Here's just a sentence that it's one of the sentences I pulled up from my screenshots. But I understand your reluctance, as good humor as it is phrased, to grasp what I'm imparting, Matthew. However, I'm afraid I don't have time to lead this horse to water, so to speak. Like, it's just, that's, that just felt like a, a an expounded upon sentence that, but everybody speaks like that. That's that's the old man McCabe or whatever his name is. But mm-hmm. Natasha Romanoff speaks like that. Everybody speaks like that. Yeah, they all have the same voice, just well, deeply written, mm-hmm. like too many words. And the the it starts out with this long letter from Karen Page that is written in that voice, in that just super highly intelligent, well spoken English major. And yes. like as a, yeah. I just like this is not Karen Page to me writing this letter to Matt Murdock. And oh, I think overall this book is a snapshot of this era of comics before things kind of took this real turn. Like the Marvel Knights was kind of that superhero on the street um, brand. And this was like that to a T where, you know, the, I think issue two ends with Karen Page revealing that she has AIDS. And I just like, but but before that, the reason I think the my main reason for not liking this, and we joke all the time about how women like how it's like a it's like a gag that I see this stuff in comics now about how women are treated and how women are portrayed. But man, women are portrayed like crap in this series. Like if I was a woman getting into comics now, or even in this time frame, I would be really pissed off reading this book. It's just a snapshot of masculine heroes and women just being the the sidebar story first issue karen page leaves uh woman getting sexually assaulted saved by daredevil woman is sterilized by her ex-husband a uh, woman being chased down by a car natasha romanov appears in the end of issue one or two or beginning of two and she sees matt murnock with his baby you know they have a their former lovers and her first like instincts were that Matt is broken up with Karen. Let's go have sex on the couch or roof. He's holding an infant child. Like what? Yeah. What character? Can I, can I just reaffirm? Black your point? Widow. Black Widow. First of all, Black Widow. This in my Black Widow world, she does not just come at Matt Murdock's beck and call and has sex with him wherever he wants to at any point in time. But did she? I'm not. I'm not trying to play even devil daredevil's advocate. But <laughs> did she? Was she there for the purpose of, like, breakup sex, or was she just assuming that's what Matt wanted? Uh, Before we answer that question, to reaffirm your point, Black Widow, probably number one female ass kicker in the Marvel U, uh, relegated to a babysitter 
in this series. I mean, really, that, was, that annoyed me. Yeah, um, I think I think he calls her for comfort because I yeah. think doesn't isn't there a throw line throwaway line where he's like, well, I pretend I call her for her Avengers hookup to trace this, you know, information, but really, is that why I'm calling? And then she well, shows no, up that. pretty much like, oh, uh, you know. Yeah, she like wonders why she's there. She's like, uh, that better not be mine, or I know that's not mine, the baby that he's protecting. Ha ha. I get it. But she, they allude to, they even had the conversation about he's broken up now. And she's like, okay, I get what this is about. And then she like starts to unzip her top, like roof or couch. Like, geez, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I didn't remember seeing that, but my God. I, like, terrible. stop me in my tracks. It threw me off the whole book. Yeah, I was trying to bend the pages out of the uh, shredder and tape them back together. <laughs> for, for yeah, like, the rest of the book, that, that just set me on a on a course of viewing how, and just just how, how just, it's so geared towards men. And it really, like, started to turn me off the whole book. And then if you fast forward through the end, and I don't, I actually don't even remember, I think I own these issues, but I barely even remember the story from the first time I read it. But at the very end... Karen Page uh, is dead. She gets killed uh, by Bullseye in this in this book. And at the end, they're at the funeral, and then in a in a buddy buddy moment, Peter meets up with Matt Murdock and tries to console him about, you know, I've been through this exact same thing. You know, a woman I loved was murdered because of something I was doing, and and they have this moment about how they can you know, look for the good in the in the loss of their on their lovers. And it just like really just struck me the wrong way. And then at the very end, he realizes that he saved this infant child, and that was the good that came out of all this misery. And he leaps into the sky, smiling, to end the the story. He's smiling. His girlfriend was murdered a day ago by the guy that what also killed his on? first love. Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that part at all. Like, there's no happiness to come out of this. You saved an infant, but your girlfriend was murdered. Your mother was beaten up. There should this should not be the ending of the book. There's there's no like, you know, ha ha, I'm back in it. Like that's that's what's just so annoyed me. Like you can't just throw this this violence under the rug and and just go about your business. I just like didn't get it at all. I think I, I get yeah. I I see what you're saying. I didn't take it that way, but I do. When you say it, it sounds a little worse. But I, I was just like happy to see Spider Man talking to Daredevil about, you know, I, I like that. I just like it. So I was no, like, and I, and I get that appeal. I get that appeal at the exact same moment. Like for, and I don't mean to harp on this like male female thing too much because I know it annoys certain people. But it's cool seeing Spider Man and Daredevil like you know, uh, com- like, uh, what's, isn't that's not commiserating. I don't know what the word I'm thinking of, but talking about the bad things in their life and like, okay, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But at the opposite end of the spectrum for someone else that d- hasn't grown up for Spider-Man daredevil stories, that isn't a, an adult male or that had been reading comics for many years. And I tried to like put myself in that position. And I was like, this is why women don't read comics. Like this story for me, it like just that's that's how it struck me like while I was reading and for whatever reason I couldn't get that mindset out of my head I couldn't really enjoy mm-hmm. it too much and that was just how it struck me I'll tell you well the, the first time I read this I guess I had to be 20 maybe 1920 and back then right up my alley 32 father does not hold up 
I mean, you know what I, I mean? Had, it doesn't. It, I think, and I was going to bring this up, but I think a lot of the story, before you find out it's all ploy, Mysterio and stuff, but I, I wanted to talk to you guys too, but I think just being a parent kind of realigned everything and uh, compounded my frustration with the book because it's just like, there's not a, like this, it, and it sounds weird, but Matt Murdock was just, given a baby and in two pages he goes from it goes from bumbling look who's talking um him and natasha trying you know fighting to change a diaper to him being convinced that this little baby is the antichrist and he should murder it <laughs> yeah that was crazy like it, i was just like there's not enough here and maybe it's because I'm a father, maybe because I'm a sensible man, but I'm like, I'm not feeling it, Matt. I, like, and I, yeah, maybe it's the psychotropic drugs that you're under that would convince you in 10 minutes that some stranger talking to you is convincing you that a baby is the Antichrist and needs to be thrown off a roof because you're having a crap life. Like, and I was just, I'm like, I, I'm not f- feeling it. And, and- and as I was reading that, I was wondering how they were going to get out of that story because you don't know about the, quote, psychotropic drug until issue oh, yeah. four or five. That very, very easily. So he's acting kind of weird, and he just, like, decides to toss the baby because it's the Antichrist. And then an issue or two later, your Dr. Strange is like, oh, I'm finding a very strange drug that was hidden from you that you were under the power of. And I was, like, just kind of super interested, like, because it erased what had happened the issue or two before. And I kind of almost didn't want that to happen. I wanted them to expound on Matt Murdock just doing a 180 on everything and deciding to kill this baby because he thought it was the Antichrist. Right. Like, what... Tell me, Matt, what influence, other than the fact that you were giving an adopted child or an abandoned child and an old man with a little squiggly, curly cue hair telling you that you should murder this baby like what in the hell and you could yeah you could kind of get some of that from born again where he was pushed to the edge so hard and so crazily that all his decision making was you know thrown up into the air Mm -hmm. but you you didn't get that because it happened in an issue and then the explanation was drugs or like a, a mystery drug that he didn't know about and the and the other one was just like, you're not, where's the panels where Matt Murdock is pooping his tights because he just found out his longtime girlfriend has HIV? Like that, that's not even, it has to be suggested to Karen Page that Matt Murdock might have AIDS now. That if somebody came to me and said they have AIDS and I was with them. Right. He, he, the, like this there is not a any, joke. There should None be an entire was a joke. Yeah, there should no, be an I'm entire sorry. issue of him in his bedroom just essing himself and yeah, like, going to see a doctor, even though it's so odd that she was diagnosed with it years after she stopped, right? Like, that one you had to just forget about for a minute or two. Which was so jarring because all of a sudden she's, you know, she's a nice girl. She's a DJ in the morning in L.A. She arrives on his doorstep crying to reveal to him and the world and us that she has AIDS. What? <laughs> like, and you don't find out 
until a little later that she was getting tested every six months. I mean, maybe she just all of a sudden went in for a blood test and the doctor's like, oh, hold on, I see something. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is the first time she's been tested in 10 years. Who knows? It, it was just like, that's that's something really, really serious and it did. It just did not sit right with me, like how it was handled. Yeah. Uh, but it the was art, weird. Man, the art was amazing. It Quesada was Joe drawing Q. those like <laughs> Joe Q. stressed out dark moments and the whole book felt like he was itching to draw Batman. Every panel with Daredevil with his cowl obscured in darkness, I was like, man, this would be awesome for Batman. I think that's what I thought about almost the whole book with the way he was drawing things. And the, yeah, so, and, and then the, Jones had kind of made me sway a little bit back, but the, I thought the mysterious, like, I, it kind of felt cheap to me initially because I'm like Mysterio is not even a daredevil villain that's admitted it's just like Kevin Smith just reaching for somebody to put daredevil through this that's not the kingpin mm-hmm. and all I could and all I could think about was I cherish Mark Wade's run because there's no kingpin there's no bullseye there's none of this junk he that doesn't need it he doesn't need it because you know what? Before I, I maybe Underboss was the first Daredevil I read mm-hmm. before Mark Wade's run. Mm-hmm. But you know, all I associate Daredevil with Bullseye, and like he's just so I don't know. Like in this book, it was just the prime example of why I don't need Bullseye in my Daredevil. Do you ever read a Daredevil because Yellow? it was just Dale. Uh, no, I never read it. Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. Mm. They brought you Hulk Gray, your favorite story. <laughs> I would I would recommend you, you check it out because it, it makes you really... it. What it is is Jeff Loeb takes uh, the post-mortem of Karen Page and gives it the treatment it deserves. It's basically five issues of Matt mourning Karen and remembering his first day's as Daredevil when, you know, he and Karen were young and in love and the world wasn't so bleak. Um, probably the story that made me love both Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, and Daredevil. I mean, beyond The Long Halloween, it was just a magical book. Yeah, so, so that, I mean, that's that's all I could think of was like, gee damn, gee damn, God D. Um, <laughs> like, how about just GD? GD, you know, the Daredevil I know and love doesn't need this heavy, dumb bullseye murdering everybody in Daredevil's life. Like, I don't need that heavy weight. And you come out of the, you know, the the gate with Karen leaving Daredevil and then revealing that she has AIDS and then she gets murdered all in the span of Kevin Smith's premiere eight issues of Marvel Knights. It's just like, that's, I've had enough. And I know there's probably been a lot darker places that Daredevil went to and I was kind of also bummed that Kingpin gave up the history of Daredevil for money. Like, maybe I'm used to the born-again slash underboss slash a respect for Matt Murdock Daredevil. And I felt like that respect was kind of invisible at that moment, where I felt like, man, I don't know if Kingpin would have done that, even though if it was for money. I thought maybe he would have had the respect that was built up over many years. And maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that respect wasn't built up until by the time Underboss started. I have no idea. I think the after the events of Born Again, where Matt's able to turn the tables on 
Kingpin, do they first start to know? And so that respect is in place as of this story. Uh, there's even a line where where he tells Mysterio, this guy's way out of your league. You know, you're not even playing in the same you know, court as this guy. Uh, but he, And then he just negates all that by doing it for money like a panel later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Der- Kingpin should be offended and like he, he, there's a lot of things Kingpin would do for money, but I just, I wouldn't see him just doling out Daredevil's information to some rando because if anything, Kingpin's the one that Daredevil is. He's going to bring Daredevil down or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like he's not. I don't think he's in that low a place where he needs that kind of money. He's still got three women in his bed, and he's uh, he seems to be doing pretty good for himself. The Mysterio reveal um, didn't like strike me as like BA, but I think mainly because maybe if I remembered reading this at the time it came out or hadn't read similar, you know, shocking reveals about a criminal needing to do something because he's down on his luck for whatever dark reason, maybe it would have had a more of an impact on me. But for whatever reason, just this time around, it didn't, you know, knock my socks off. Well, that's because we live in a world where we've seen it done better. I mean, yeah, Hush. We've seen, we've seen it like a hundred times in, you know, the amount of books that we read. I mean. And that's not to slight Kevin Smith at all. It's just kind of our right. fault. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the two examples are Hush and uh, Old Man Logan. You know, Jeff Loeb uh, takes the Riddler who's, you know, dying of cancer and weaves this incredible tale about him. And then in um, Old Man Logan, Mysterio is the one that tricks Logan into killing the X-Men. So already we've seen the story done better twice. So, you know, what chance did it have us going in there now? And then I wonder what the reasoning was. Well, I guess maybe they probably just wrote off as a parlor trick where he killed himself at the end of the book and is alive and well in, you know, comic books today. I guess maybe that was his, like, last gag at the end. But, I mean, how did Daredevil not know that McCabe's wasn't McCabe's? during the meeting was that because of the drug like how did he just see his heartbeat as telling the truth the whole time how did he not be like this is a dude wearing a mask or what's this latex smell near this guy's face yeah yeah he's got to be yeah he's got a stink of chemicals you're right i didn't even think of that he's got a stink of like unnatural ingredients yeah you probably sense that he was getting like esophageal cancer by breathing around mysterio <laughs> Yeah, maybe he could have smelled. He maybe he could have smelled the cancer, right? Mm-hmm. He, he should have been able to do that. I think if you word, word it right, uncharted territory here. If Kevin Smith words it right, you know how could you not believe it? But I mean, I in the grand scheme of Daredevil stories, in my opinion, you should definitely seek out Born Again at any cost. Born Again. And I th- I feel like we need to do Underboss because I wonder if I remember Underboss as still being so highly regarded Man, as I. I don't think we should do it. I don't know if you could. <laughs> You're I, I don't afraid know, I to could, sit through a book club. Like I don't know that. if I could take you trashing one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> like I sat through it all the time with your Scott Snyder, you know, with your Atomic. But Robo. I love those. I still am entertained by Scott right. Snyder's Batman run. I, it's just that I nitpick things because I've read them a million times. Yeah, if we could just politely skip Underboss. 
What about the Dark Mirror or the uh, the Scott Snyder detective run that I loved? Yeah, let's not read that again. Do that one again too. Please don't. Oh Oh, my word! Because as soon as you know, young Jim Gordon says, "My father told me a story about Batman once." It's all over. (laughs) You know it. You know that you're going to do the thing where you're holding up your head and then drumming your finger on the table, and then you're going to ask somebody to be honest. I got I got you to a T. <laughs> Just because I asked you in a text message, be honest with me, do the paper cake counter invites even show on your phone? Because every week you're like, when are we recording? What book are we doing? <laughs> and I spend a I, I spend a few minutes crafting these Gmail invites that includes the data in that. Well, now I'm getting sticks. them. Now I'm getting them. So we're good. Uh, hate to break it to you guys, but we got a lot of letters this week. Oh God, we gotta get we gotta get rolling. This is we gonna be said long. that twenty minutes ago and save this the pain of reviewing this book. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg dot com. Uh, you shoot us a letter, we might read it on the era. Uh, our first letter comes to us from uh, incumbent fourth host uh, at Neminidity. Uh She writes, uh, listen to a lightning round. In case I didn't convince anyone to check out Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, I'm writing a listener lightning round for A Murder of Crows and The Summoning in Saga of the Swamp Thing, book four. The cult, Brejuria, has summoned something so evil in the spirit world to bring on the apocalypse and destroy heaven. Something so evil that Swampy and Constantine travel to hell and seek help from an army of demons to destroy it. Also, Jonesy, I saw the numbers are in, and I'm sorry I bumped you down to 13th least favorite host. Uh, She actually did did the research to see how many guest hosts we've had and where you ranked compared. So you... you, Lucky uh, number 13. That is an official number, yeah. That's uh, that's show canon, guys. Show canon. I just want to say, Saga of the Swamp Thing, I can't even get over how amazing that book is. I'm on book three, I think going into four, but I mean, Masterclass is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, uh, Namili. Everybody should be checking that out, along with Slim's endorsement, our endorsement. Saga of the Swamp Thing needs to be read. Next up, another listener lightning round. These two folks uh, probably didn't even plan this together. I've never done one of these, says uh, at Very Exciting on the Twitter. Edge of the Spider-Verse, number five, written by Gerard Way, art by Jake Wyatt. Way tells an interesting story bringing Penny Parker into the Spider-Verse as the anime-inspired robo-spidey named spider uh, which is a you know symbol. It's a symbol. You'd have to read the book to know what I'm saying, but I'm not spelling it all out. And Wyatt's art style fits right in. Apart from the odd guest appearances of Kaneda from Akira and Batu from Ghost in the Shell, the book was enjoyable, and I'm glad I picked up the next part. Amazing Spider-Man number nine. Thanks. At very exciting run-on sentences. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> All right, uh, you know, by the way, I love listener lightning rounds. Yeah, we should fantastic. Uh, Paper Keg 179, the intern report. 
I had a weird sense of time looping because I just got to and listened to Papercake 19, The Sword, yesterday and then 178 today. At least Dale is consistent and is disdain for the book. Personally, I loved it. Nominity was a great addition, bringing out the best in my all-time favorite host, Jonesy. Here's the report. As always, feel free to skip anything covered live. Uh, you know we won't. Uh, Daredevil, Guardian Devil was the highest profile launch title in the Marvel Knights imprint. Created in 1998 when a nearly bankrupt Marvel Comics outsourced production of four books, Daredevil, Black Panther, and Humans and Punisher to Joe Quesada's event comics. The, this ultimately led to Quesada's complete, Quesada's complete takeover of Marvel as editor-in-chief. I didn't know that. Uh, Quesada went after Kevin Smith and credits him as being the first big Hollywood guy to do comics. Uh, that's that's actually not right. Jeff Loeb, writer of Commando, was the first big Hollywood guy <laughs> in comics. Uh, this <laughs> They discussed Guardian Devil in a two-parter on Smith's really good podcast, Fat Man on Batman. Uh, the collected edition featured an introduction by Ben Affleck. Batman, weed, smoking, high while writing comics, hugeness, secret stash. <laughs> Matt, do you want to get in on that while he's uh, dogpiling here? I, I've, I've said all I can possibly say on that person. Written around the time of his actually pretty decent performance in that steaming pile of S movie. Uh, moving on, a 90-minute digital comic DVD of Guardian Devil was released in 2004, playable on PlayStation 2 and Xbox. It was probably better than the Daredevil movie. Uh, that's Matt8H, the intern, P.S. Note there are two H's in my handle. It's pronounced Matt8H, since I have twice as many H's as my nearest competitor. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I didn't say that. That's, that's his own aside. PPS, thanks, and keep on rocking, gents. As always, we appreciate Matt Double H's uh, uh, time and effort he puts into his weekly research. Uh, you thank you great. very much for that. Um, next up is a friend, huge friend of the show, at Catcher, wanted in New York State for traffic, <laughs> moving traffic violation. And um, he, subject line, titled, Purveyors of Good Taste, Back in early July 2011, you guys read a small book called Cowboy Ninja Viking. It is now November 2014, and Hollywood is finally catching up and have cast none other than Chris Pratt as the film's titular lead character. Question one, how do you feel about the casting, and what are your hopes, concerns for the film in general? Uh, I think Chris Pratt is a, an amazing actor, I mean, and I think he, he could... Um, I think he could pull off the Cowboy Ninja Viking character. Those producers probably listened to Paper Keg before they made the deal, before yeah. they put ink to the page. I'm actually more excited about Chris Pratt in Jurassic World, if I can oh, be honest. Man. I just saw that teaser trailer, and my pants were soiled. I have not yet seen it. Is it is it good, guys? It's it's like 10 seconds, and I think the real trailer is coming on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. But it looks, I mean, it looks, it has the vibe of the first movie, oh, yeah. where they have the Jeep, and the vehicles run around, and Pratt is dressed like you know uh, what's Sam Neill almost from the first Life movie. Finds it, a way feels, it feels exciting. Mm. It feels very exciting. Are we going to the Midnight Show together as a, as a paper keg trio? Is that what we're saying? You know, what we need to pin down is the December twentieth uh, PWS wrestling show in Rahway, New Jersey, oh, that we need to get front row tickets for immediately. 
That is not a joke. <laughs> Slim is just Christmas to the throne, Christmas to the wind, Christmas obligations, man. It's a Saturday. My butt what are we is doing? Tight. What are we doing? What are we all doing December 20th? Front row tickets. Um, it's probably like 20 or 30 bucks. Is it too late to make present a pair of meetup? Is it too late? Oh my <laughs> god, what an idea. What an idea. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Impromptu paper cake meetup, Rawway, New Jersey, PWS. Jake the Snake Roberts is going to be there. Oh, God. That's, that's that enough. That sounds like Antarctic ice cracking is a million J guards exploding <laughs> at the notion. Uh, two unrelated questions I couldn't bother to work out into a more, more elaborate email. Question two. It already feels cliche to mention this, but how awesome is cereal? Question mark, exclamation point. Even random coworkers keep asking about the show podcast in general. Slash podcasts in general. Question three. My girlfriend cannot wait for the next episode of Tech Smoke. When can she expect that? I think this was written before the latest episode of Tech Smoke was released to the feed. So I hope your girlfriend had enjoyed that by now. Taking the nation by storm, Tech Smoke. Tech Smoke. We have another Cereal's one here. Cereal is great. Uh, take, take Cereal the is great. Take the world's word for it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Bex Gordo. She writes, Guardian Devil drinking game? Just to start, Jonesy, please work your magic to improve it. Uh, it the one good thing I got right in my life besides my son was my uh, my Flash TV uh, drinking game. So, you know, I am I am the re- you know regional expert. Uh, one drink every time a woman refers to herself as Matt's lover. Ew, <laughs> she writes. Uh, two drinks every time Matt's Manhattan apartment is ludic- ludicrously large. His bed could legit fit all 5,000 ex-girlfriends who, P.S., are listed in order at least once an issue and still have room for Foggy and Mysterio. <laughs> Three drinks for Daredevil believing some bunk about humans not being able to comprehend the spiritual mystical in their world. And then two issues later, thinking to himself, better go see resident warlock mystical expert Dr. Strange about this S. Also, how about the only person that talked normal in this book was Wong? <laughs> <laughs> the Asian, the very Asian sidekick. He's like from the Bronx in this book. <laughs> one, tr- one drink every time there is an odd incestuous overtones. Example, Karen lists herself having been a daughter, lover, customer. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was good. Except, going to get us killed. <laughs> et cetera, to various men and then says she was a all of that and more to Matt. <laughs> Two drinks when... And this is parentheses. I don't know. Some religious thing. I skim those parts. So have altar server Slim write this one. Uh, <laughs> three drinks every time Daredevil manages to take someone out super easily. <clears throat> Nastasha wouldn't go down from uh, a little foot pinch cough. So that's back to biggest A kicker in the Marvel U. Uh, relegated as babysitter. Uh, finish your drink whenever someone writes a long heartfelt letter <laughs> and a completely unreadable font. Uh, I'm still convinced, man. still convinced that Bex Gordo could be slim in his catfish form. Uh, hope you <laughs> enjoy true. being dead. Also, hope Matt Murdock isn't giving a eulogy at your funeral because he's worse at them. Oh, because he's worse at them than Dale is. <laughs> it's, it's, it might be true. At least I got the crowd laughing in mine. Uh, that was a good drink. Good letter, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, that, wow, that was amazing. Bex Gordo, we're all going to be dead after this. There's no way I am not going to be hugging some cold concrete after this. 
especially at the PWS show, December 20th in Rahway, New Jersey. Paper cake meetup number five. Rahway probably has some cold egg concrete on December 20th. I mean, that town was made by concrete and unionized workers. It's made for underground, small circuit professional wrestling. Oh, God. That's what it was made for. And the last letter until uh, you know until we get another one in hot off the wire friend of the show at under an anchor Sean Miller hey guys I was so happy to see that you'd be recording tonight and that I'd be able to tune in live I wonder if he is I've got two teething kids in the house Ooh, and feel yeah, like I've got a long night ahead of me we are also out of alcohol I Rookie. may resort to drinking the mouthwash if things get real bad fortunately I've got the sweet sounds of PK to pull me through you could always do the I believe the vanilla extract like Tom Hanks in that one episode of uh, Family Ties before he slapped uh, before he slapped Michael J. Cross, Fox across the face. Dale Think, watched that episode live uh, during his freshman year I, of college. I remember that. It was such a weird, weird vibe. I mean, nothing like that was being done on television at the time. Maybe Archie Bunker, but you know that was more racist than dramatic, alcoholic Tom Hanks from Bosom Buddies. Now he's drinking and has an alcoholic problem. Then there was an upper th- episode where like the back black family moves in and the f- the neighborhood's concerned that property value's going down. I mean, Family Time was a heavy stuff. What was the TV show where the bike repair man was like doing? He was he shouldn't oh, be left yeah. alone with children. What TV show was that? Was Can that um? Is that Different Strokes or yeah, Silver it's Spoons? Different Strokes. Different Strokes. Yeah. Jeez. I remember that like it was yesterday. Been catching up on tech smoke and have enjoyed that quite a bit. Have yet to get my weekly BJ. Well, I'll catch up on that too. Uh, weekly, my God. This guy's living the life over here. I'm up pretty late most nights and I'm truly grateful for the shows you guys produce. Question. I think I'm experiencing comic burnout. Can you guys suggest a book, preferably a trade or collected volume that can reignite the flame? Maybe I need a break from superhero books. I don't know. You three have influenced my taste for the better since I've started listening, so please lead me. You know, as I read that question, Day Tripper just popped in my head. If you want a collected edition, non-superhero, that will challenge your love of the medium and take it to the next level, you go get Day Tripper, you you read it in one sitting, you know, maybe you pour the mouthwash into a paper cup in your basement, and you dim the lighting, and you just read Day Tripper, and think about the creative mind that had to come up with that one. I actually will go the opposite route, and I would just say, don't read anything. Yeah. Just read whatever you want to read, and don't read anything else. That's what That's I was going to say, medicine. Sean Miller, because I was going to say, if you really want to stay in the game, start a podcast, and uh, <laughs> have, <laughs> have weekly, uh, weekly obligations, because... That's the only way I keep reading a, a, a lot of the times. I think my burnout started sometime after episode 100. And I just like <laughs> tried not to read anything that I didn't actually physically was excited to read. That's yeah. very difficult. It's tough because, you know, when you start getting back into something, at least for me, you know, you go head first into it and you just, and you're, you consume your life with it. And then eventually you kind of like your interests just kind of move to another place and you start doing the same habit habit things to something else. And then where does that leave comics or where does that leave anything that, that used to be the flavor of the week? But 
Yeah, when in when in doubt, reread Fear Agent or Saga: The Swamp Thing. I mean, that's the cure for what ails you, right there. Yeah, good luck getting through it, man. I know it's it's tough and it's a very real thing, and I don't know what you can do to get through it. I'm still. I probably wouldn't be near reading nearly as many comics as I would if I didn't have paper keg. Audiobooks help me for my burning readout. It might be an avenue for you. Next week, speaking of Tom Hanks, Road to Perdition, the graphic novel. That'll be our next book club. What a show. Hey, Joe, guys. Maybe Jonesy will still be alive next week. Who knows? Doubtful. Tune in next time. Have a great Thanksgiving. The minute has been slipping motor oil into my breathing machine. Slim, you uh didn't like Batman thirty six? Uh no, I actually really enjoyed it. I liked it too. I liked it. I lot. liked um except for one part. I, I liked how the new Joker face looks. Mm-hmm. Or had like, you know, the non faceless Joker looks. I like the design. I did not like how they kind of retconned that character that they talked about. So I didn't know what that character, who that character was. And then I went back to the issue that they talked about and read it. And I was like, this doesn't really give you much leeway as to this possibly being what happened in the issue I just read. I see. I didn't go back and double check. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, there was a whole issue dedicated to it unless Joker was just so insane that he started to act like a different person for a 30-page comic book. I don't know. I did. I liked uh, Joker's line, and maybe it was like his moment of lucidity where he says, you know, I know all of this about you, and you really, truly know nothing about me. And that will always eat you up on the inside. I thought that was a great line. I think that's always been there in the Batman-Joker relationship, but maybe he was the first one to say it. I don't know. I liked it. I feel like there has to be something big that happens though otherwise it's just well, gonna be another joker I mean, story this is a huge reveal and it's part two of endgame how many parts is it four six uh i'm not sure i think they said they were doing another 12 or 16 issues so i don't know uh, if this that's... really is the last story i might have to get the intern on that all i know is somni and wade announced that they're wrapping it up yeah 
I wonder what they're going to work on next. It's a hard time. I wonder what Somni's. I really can't just care about Somni. I want to. I want because I don't know. I mean, I care. I would love them to just take over Fantastic Four and relaunch that, and I would buy that. But I don't know. Outside of Indiana Jones, can you imagine if Wade and Somni took over Spider Man? Amazing Spider Man. I, I don't know if I don't know if I'd want to see Somni on a Spider Man book okay. every month. Well, well, yeah, I don't know either. Wait, wait, definitely, but Spider Man. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Batman. I'd love to see Sami just do like a black and white Batman anthology book. He's you guys follow his Instagram? Oh yeah. God, it's so oh, good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh the boy discovered uh the Adam West Batman yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on IFC all weekend. Yeah. And uh, that. loved it. He's two. And he likes to watch Batman 66. Hmm. What do you guys think? Is it too young for all that, though? Mm. I don't think so. Grayson was watching it a few weeks ago, and he tend to like it, too. But there was nothing on there that I found questionable, really. James is watching The Simpsons eight hours a day, so there's nothing really <laughs> I can add to this topic <laughs> that would have any validity. He just discovered... Where we discovered together, there's a Godzilla animated series that was in like the 60s or 70s, and it's really bad. It was Hanna Barbera. Really? Yeah. I thought what Godzilla animated, I remember, was like from the same team that brought us 90s Spider Man. Maybe there was a second one. This was the one I searched Godzilla on Amazon Instant, and this was on there. Hmm. He's got like a kid called Godzuki. This lovable little scamp that's friends with the humans, <laughs> awesome. and they call they summon on Godzilla when they need his help with like this little beeper, like the Superman Jimmy Olsen watch, yeah, uh, signal watch. Yeah, who's ready for a little of a little teaser? <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. Yeah, we gotta do it. Confusion. Confusion. Confusion.